One of the things that I encourage is the first phase is like, just tell the story. We're all doing amazing things. Why do I have to find out when I go physically visit your department or your school site? You know, I should be able to find out right when it's happening in real time, whether it's video or a tweet at the time. And then not only me as a superintendent, but your community needs to know that. Your families need to know. The business leaders need to see and need to know. And if we're not in that space and we're not pushing out the stories that we want people to hear or to see, then the newspapers are going to pick it up or, you know, the neighbor across the street or the disgruntled employees. We owe it to our community. We owe it to our families. and We owe it to ourselves to promote the amazing jobs that we're doing. How do you navigate change? It's a question we think about often and one that today's world expects us to be comfortable with. The challenge, however, is where do you begin and how do you develop the mindset and skills to be successful? You're listening to Designing Schools, and I'm your host, Dr. Saba Kidwai, educator, researcher, and storyteller. Join me each week as we explore design thinking and take a look at stories and strategies that bridge the gap between research and practice as together we explore how might we design schools. In our third and final part of my interview with Jerry Almandares, the superintendent at Santa Ana Unified, we discuss leadership and social influence. In 2018, the Future of Jobs report by the World Economic Forum predicted their list of trending skills for 2022. They introduced for the first time leadership and social influence. I want to begin by creating a shared definition for us when we say leadership. So I'm going to use the definition from David Notgrass. He says, leadership is the process whereby an individual influences a group of individuals to achieve a common goal. I like this definition because it defines leadership as a process, not as a set of individual traits. He says, today's world requires our leaders and us to evolve from being transactional to transformational. In a transactional environment, he says, politicians win votes by promising no new taxes, Managers offer promotions to employees who surpass their goals. In classrooms, teachers grade work for assignments completed. And the prevalence of these environments, he says, reveals that we have a transformational leadership vacuum. And in this episode, we're going to discuss why that transformational vacuum needs to be filled by you. In the first two parts of my interview with Jerry, we explored what it means to be a transformational leader. Leaders who encourage creativity, recognize accomplishments, build trust, and inspire a collective vision. Leaders who are role models for the beliefs and values that they want to see others adopt as they believe that their audience can rise to the occasion. Today, I'm going to introduce you to Lynette White and the beautiful story of how Jerry believed that she was able to rise to the occasion, allowing her to discover skills, strengths, and passions that she didn't even know she had. Me and you talk often about how like the World Economic Forum has labeled leadership and social influence as one of the top trending skills. And we look at those a lot of times in the context of students, but you know, to your point, we're all learners and this is one skill that I think, I think it's challenging to develop given it's not something that many of us grew up with, yet you seem to have really mastered the art. You don't just share as a superintendent, you don't just share sort of one department, 
every single day, I think I get a notification on my phone that there is a new account or that there is a new group from counseling to sports to arts to every single principal is active. And I feel like you really live what it means to be at the intersection of leadership and social influence. And I want you to talk to me a little bit about how you see the relationship between those two terms. Many of us have heard this comment over time. The more we tell our story, the better odds we have of creating this change. If we're not telling it, other people are telling it for us. And it could be something that we don't want to be out there. One of the things that I encourage is just, you know, the first phase is like, just tell the story. We're all, do your, we're all doing amazing things. Why do I have to find out when I go physically visit your department or your school site? You know, I should be able to find out right when it's happening in real time, whether it's video or a tweet at the time. And then not only me as a superintendent, but your community needs to know that. Your families need to know. The business leaders need to see and need to know. And if we're not in that space and we're not pushing out the stories that we want people to hear or to see, then the newspapers are going to pick it up or the neighbor across the street or the disgruntled employees. We owe it to our community. We owe it to our families. And we owe it to our ourselves to promote the amazing jobs that we're doing. That's one aspect of it. The other aspect is the fact that board members are getting younger. Teachers are getting younger. Students are born in this space with you know social media influence. And it is our responsibility to make sure that we're operating, that we understand the space that 80% of our adult population are in or 100% of our students are in. So we can create systems and educational experiences that reflect that. If we're not in that space, we're going to be thinking the traditional way that we were taught and we're going to really quickly discover that that's not what our boards expect. That's not what our parents expect. Our students are going to start dropping off and going to other districts because we're lined up in rows and we're standing up in front of the the classroom, giving them information all day. So it's it's our responsibility to make sure we change. How do we do that? We occupy these spaces. We, We push out social media the good things that we're doing on various social media platforms. And then we also follow those individuals that we respect and admire and aspire to be like to see what experiences they're having in their parts of the world or their parts of the country. And for me personally, I like it because it helps me identify the current trends. And I can't tell you, Saba, you fall into that category as one of my like reverse mentors. And there's a number of other professionals out there in the educational field that I follow throughout the world that I just look forward to their post every day because I want to see what the current trends are and how they're going to impact me over time. I particularly admire how Jerry shares that he uses social platforms to connect with a diverse group of individuals, those younger and older than him across all fields, to be able to identify current trends. It's inspiring to see how every department within his district has embraced leadership and social influence and that they feel they have the autonomy to share the work they do and how they're contributing to the collective vision of the district. I asked Jerry to share an experience from having opened this door that otherwise might not have happened. I have an experience like that almost weekly here in Santa Ana as as new departments and new schools get on or new uh, clubs get on. Some of the things that they capture and just push out are amazing. I'll give you one example that really impressed me when we started with COVID. 
when COVID hit in March, April, May, a couple of months went by, everybody was still trying to navigate this environment. We had been talking in leadership teams and you were a guest in one of our leadership teams via Zoom. We were bringing people in, guest speakers in to kind of help us navigate all of the challenges. In one of those sessions, we were talking about how important it was to push out our story on social media. Well, our maintenance department really took that to heart and our custodial crews began to take video and pictures of them cleaning and sanitizing the classrooms and a video of our custodians walking around and just doing all of the amazing things that they were doing. And the story that they were telling was, look, community, we're working hard to keep our schools sanitized and safe for your kids to return. And that put a lump in my throat. And I was so proud of the work that was being pushed out by our custodial crews, because who would have ever thought that a custodial department or a maintenance department would see the value in that. And I tell you, they pushed it out. And I can't tell you how many compliments we got as a district and how confident our parents were when they would mention or respond to those posts, the thank yous, the gratitude for our custodians. And I know in talking to the ladies and the gentlemen in that department, when they started to see the feedback, the smiles in their faces began to elevate. And then they started getting more. They started pushing more stuff out. That's one example. Another example is our construction. The department. We had a number of buildings and a number, number of construction projects go up in our schools, whether it was playgrounds or new schools being built. And our construction team did the same thing. And they're taking video of from trenches being dug to pipes being laid to concrete foundations being poured to the final product being displayed. And it was just an evolution of, wow, the amazing work that is taking place on this. And then you have the, the other, a little bit less of opportunities because of the Zoom and the distance learning platform, but we did have teachers pushing out stuff that they were doing, working with, with, uh, with our students and stuff. But those are just some examples of the amazing stories that are being told given the platforms that were being used. I love how Jerry's stories are of his classified staff. Living at the intersection of leadership and social influence isn't just about telling your story, it's an opportunity to provide people with the space to discover their own strengths, their own story, and their own unique art. I wanna introduce you now to Lynette White. She's Jerry's executive assistant. I had to double check this title because at first glance, she does so much more than what immediately comes to mind. In fact, together, her and Jerry have completely transformed the role. I was a few minutes early once to a Zoom call that I had scheduled with Jerry, and Lynette was sharing with me how she was creating a brand ambassador program on campus to enhance and develop storytelling across the district. It's a beautiful story, and so I asked Jerry to share how Lynette's role evolved and how his leadership empowered her to delve deeper into her art. When I got here, I'm new to this district and was in my previous district for 25 years. So I get here and I'm used to my social media presence and the district social media presence of my previous district. So when I get here, uh, the first couple of days, you know, I'm meeting staff and I walk around. I come into my office and I sit down with my ladies in my office and I say, okay, be new to this district. I'm going to need some help. Is there anybody that can help me with my social media platforms? Immediately, Lynette raised her hand and said, I'll do it. And so I sat with her and worked with her and she would come with me to various school site visits and she would take video and take pictures and stuff like that and really spent the next couple of weeks just really getting to know me, my personality, my thought process, 
And so over time, as we began to continue working together, she developed all of these various ways, these different platforms, and this brand ambassador to that she felt reflected my value system as a superintendent of this district and began to find ways to pull other people in to, to replicate that unilaterally across the district. It was extra duty over what her desk was, but she uh, embraced it and then found out that it was a lot of work and went to a training and heard about this ambassador program and then took it upon herself to actually replicate the work that she did across the district with 80 brand ambassadors. And it was voluntary. So she sent out an email from the superintendent's office saying, if anybody is interested in doing what we're doing, here's a training session where we're going to bring you in. We're going to tell you what it's all about and then build your capacity so you'll be able to do it independently. As a result of that, she was gaining the confidence in her skill set and noticing that the value she was bringing to the superintendent's office was something unique and decided that with help from me, decided to encourage her to participate and to present at a couple of conferences. And like me, when I joined the Clubhouse platform, she was nervous and reluctant at first, but she took the leap and she is now a natural. And so she's presented at a couple of conferences. I don't see her stopping there. She's doing an amazing job. Now, something you may not know, she's leaving me, Saba. Here's what happened. During this time, she ended up going back to school. And she's working on her degree in communication. So she's almost done with that. And as a result of that, a couple of positions popped open throughout the local region. She applied for a few of them. And she just recently received a position in a district in the Inland Empire that she's very excited about as a director of communications. So she's now going to be doing what she's been going to school to do. And she's going to be doing what her passion is. And I'm so happy for her. Sad for me, but happy for her. Jerry's leadership continuously leaves me in awe. You've probably heard the term the great resignation. And at a time where organizations are struggling to retain top talent, Jerry has confidently created a culture where people have autonomy, mastery, and purpose. The three essential elements that Daniel Pink says we need for intrinsic motivation. Whether they stay at the district or move on to other organizations, leaders are often so afraid of losing their top talent. Yet Jerry saw Lynette's passion, her art for communication, and created an environment and gave her the support where she could thrive. Here's Lynette sharing what that experience was like for her. Social media really began with Jerry coming to SAUSD with this major idea of he's going to put us on the map and we're going to be the best district in the state, if not the country. He's like super excited and very much a lover of social media and he wanted everyone else to kind of jump on board. So he kind of tapped me on the shoulder as being that person who would help him get buy-in in our district. I have been in the district for 12 years. I have been fortunate enough to make a lot of really meaningful relationships in the district. And so I did have a lot of trust from the staff. So we just kind of started our journey that way. It was very scary at first because I personally was on social media, but I had never considered doing social media professionally, let alone doing it to the degree that Jerry had like in his mind and his goals. But I've been really fortunate to just have thrived under his leadership. He has opened up so many doors for me. He's opened up my eyes to skills that I didn't know I had, which was super cool. And so the more that we grew and the more that I helped him out with his social media, he kind of let me grow a little bit more. 
he let me spread my wings and I presented to him this brand ambassador idea that I've seen different districts throughout the country, but I had never seen a district in California really, really implement it and do it well. So I presented him with a plan of what a brand ambassador would be because on social media, you see brand ambassadors for all kinds of stuff, makeup, clothing, different locations that you can go to party, but you never see it for something like education. And why not? Why can't we market education the same way that we would market things that people perceive as fun? Education can be fun too. So I presented him with the plan and luckily he loved it. And we are a district with about 45,000 students. We have approximately 54, 55 sites. And I've been happy to say that we have at least like 90 brand ambassadors, if not closer to 100 at this point, who signed up voluntary. We meet with them once a month. We give them some training. We give them some feedback on their social media. And we really just help them along with telling the story of the district. So they don't have to be the leader of the site. That's one thing that I was super adamant about because then you're going to get a very one-sided view of what that story of that site is. We do have some sites that have the leader in addition to like maybe the school office manager or even the athletic director or a coach on site, a teacher, people who get to see students and faculty in different ways. That way, when they put their story together, it's very neat to see. It's not just from a leadership perspective of this is my staff and this is my school. It's like you get a peek into the classroom or you get a peek into that sports world. You get a peek into that school in a very unique way. These conversations continuously leave me in moments of pause and reflection. So often we talk about the value and impact that strong relationships have in the classroom. But rarely do we talk about how important it is to place that same emphasis across the relationships in all our buildings. As I listen to the stories of Jerry, Lynette, Carrie, and Nata, I'm continuously reminded of how what matters in the classroom with students matters just as much outside the classroom with adults. It's something I find myself repeating throughout these three episodes. If as educators, we're there to help young people discover, enhance, and develop their skills and strengths, it's something we have to do for each other as well. Goals, dreams, and learning don't die after we graduate or once we get a job. You hear the words vulnerability often in these episodes, and it's that culture of vulnerability that has opened the doors for leaders and educators within Santa Ana to feel safe in being authentic and bringing their whole self to work. This culture has a profoundly positive ripple effect in these adults then being able to create that same environment at their sites and in their classrooms. With 90 brand ambassadors, I asked Lynette to share what surprised them about engaging in leadership and social influence. I really think that one of their biggest aha moments is when we step on that campus to do site visits and the superintendent already knows who you are because of your social media, because of the presence that you have on there. And that doesn't mean you're posting your selfies, you know, a thousand times a day, but he knows who you are because the account is yours and he sees what you're doing. He sees you pushing out the good work that that school is doing and just getting this sense of community within our staff of everybody buying into this goal of, you know, making SAUSD the best place and really drowning the market with our great stories. That way our bad stories don't resonate as much. 
because everybody has bad stories, but if you focus on only that, that's all you see. So we really want to drown it with, you know, as much positivity about SAUSD so that everyone can see what a great place it actually is. Jerry tapping me on the shoulder to do social media and help him out and just kind of get the buy-in. I'm one of those people who, if I'm going to do it, I want to do it right. I did start looking into programs. I did enroll in the OCC social media strategist certification program. And so I did that. And then that led me to go back to school and complete my bachelor's or work towards completing my bachelor's in communications with an emphasis on new media. Because he tapped me on the shoulder and because he believed in what I was doing and that I was doing it well, it really lit a fire under me and made me believe in myself as well. I definitely owe him a lot. He always says, well, you did all the hard work, but sometimes sparking that flame in someone is the hard work. I'll always be grateful for him for that. And then my role, so my role was originally, I was his executive assistant. So really I should have just been (laughs) answering phones, scheduling meetings and stuff like that. But as the social media thing kind of took off and as more people throughout the district really started liking what they were seeing, I was asked to do trainings on Zoom, do trainings on social media. I've gotten to present twice at a statewide conference. And that led me to the new role that I was offered in another school district. So now I'll be a communication specialist for Colton Joint Unified School District, and I'm very excited. Colton is very similar to Santa Ana demographics-wise. It is a lot smaller, but I'm really excited. The team there seems incredible, and I think together we can really help get Colton on the map, just like we got Santa Ana on the map. Lynette shares how when Jerry walked into sites, he already knew what was happening. Utilizing these platforms can help us enhance and develop the relationships we have with people who we may not see on a regular basis. It allows us to create context for what people see when they drop by for observations or a site visit. A five-minute experience at your site or in your classroom doesn't always showcase the incredible things that can happen during all the other minutes of the day. At the intersection of leadership and social influence, you're strengthening relationships not only internally with your teams, but externally with your community as well. I say go for it. I think that you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And that's super corny, but it's true. If you don't go for it and you don't try, you'll never know what your true potential could be. And I'm definitely one of those. You know, I was was in a role in our district, which was considered to be highly coveted. You've already reached the top of the food chain. You've made it to the superintendent's office, right? And so in my small way, I had kind of reached that ceiling. Jerry really helped me push through the ceiling to discover that there's a new ceiling. And so I don't have to stop there. So I think if I had doubted myself and not been willing to take those risks and just, you know, go along with it and try new things, I wouldn't be where I am today. As I listen to Lynette share how she flourished in the culture that Jerry established as a leader, I'm reminded of the book, The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. In this book, he shares, as for those of us who choose to embrace the infinite mindset, our journey is one that will lead us to feel inspired every morning, safe when we are at work and fulfilled at the end of each day. And when it's time for us to leave the game, we'll look back at our lives and our careers and say, I lived a life worth living, but even more importantly, when imagining what the future holds, we'll see how many people we inspired 
to carry on the journey without us. I asked Jerry to share why leaders should embrace an infinite mindset towards employee growth and opportunity, even if it means they may move on to another organization or maybe even create their own. You know, it's selfish, you know, for me, it's selfish to keep people for my entire length of employment. I want to see people's capacity grow. I don't like coming into offices or to school sites and see people not so much in a bad mood, but just like there. And everybody's got a passion. Everybody enjoys something. And so um, I'm on a mission to find people's passion and to give them opportunities to thrive in those areas that they find are passionate about and to grow. And if they find that passion within the district and they grow within the district, they're just going to make the district better. But if for whatever reason, their passion takes them out of the district, I'm okay with that too, because they're going to go make the other district better. And they're going to be an advocate for Santa Ana Unified School District, because this was a place that they can call home, that they thrived in, and they they ended up leaving. So it just, for me, it's that trickle effect that, you know, I can't be selfish and keep people in desks or at school sites just because they're good at what they do. I want people to be happy. I want them to be innovators. I want them to take risks and to find what they're passionate about so they can thrive in whatever setting they're in. The other part of it is my experience coming through the ranks in the various professions that I had before I came in education, and some of them not as pleasant as I would have liked them to be. And just remembering if I'm ever in a position that has influence, I'm not going to do what was done to me. That's kind of my paying it forward type of mentality. To this day, I don't regret. I've lost a lot of people over time in my previous district and, and some people here. Some have moved on to different careers, but some have moved on to to stay within the educational field. But I'll tell you this, my network of supportive colleagues or friends, I would call them, has grown and it's throughout the country because that's where people have landed. Jerry believes in a vision that is far bigger than himself. It's with deep intention that he's creating a culture where people can thrive, grow, and carry on the journey that ultimately will become his legacy. As we close this episode, I asked Jerry to share the three major challenges that he sees education facing today and how leaders can design schools to meet the needs of today's learners. I think the biggest challenge for leaders today is really understanding the leverage that you can have as a leader by leading with social influence. And there are ways of doing it. It's not just about posting cool things. It's not about taking pictures of you or of your students and say, look at us. It's about capturing and aligning the work that is being done at the governance level and demonstrating and showing to our community and to all of our stakeholders the work that we said we were going to do to actually demonstrate the work happening. And so that alignment can be done embracing social me- the social media platforms to say, if um, literacy is our priority as an executive, as a board of education, then I want my principals and my community to demonstrate what literacy looks like in the posts that you push out. And so that's the alignment part. And it could be, you know, literacy is just one example. It could be other things like the social emotional component. What are we capturing that demonstrates this, this resources and support we're providing for kids, whether it's Socratic seminars, synergy days, you know, stuff like that. So that alignment is one example. It's important for professionals to expand their professional network. And traditionally, 
we look at mentors as being somebody who's been in the position before me and someone who has had the experiences that I've had and someone who can sit down with me and say, here's what you should do and here's how I dealt with it. That's credible and that's great and that needs to happen. But I think leaders also need to expand their professional networks in other ways. There are people out there, professionals out there that have not been site administrators, that have not been teachers, that have not been uh, superintendents, but they have the expertise and the knowledge, the research to support the work being done. And so I'm a big believer that I have to, I have to embrace both schools of thought because one side has experience, but the other side has innovation and trends, can identify that and really help me understand what the upcoming trends are and the new environments are for those younger teachers, those younger board members, and so forth. Professionals need to find the balance of of both. And then the last area that I think is a challenge for a lot of leaders is really developing the ability to develop that strategic foresight. There's a lot of talk out there about Web 3.0. I can't tell you how many circles I've been in in the past couple of months with superintendent colleagues saying, hey, do you guys know about Web 3.0? Have you heard about Web 3.0? Crickets. Nobody raising their hands. Hey, does anybody know? Have you heard of NFTs or have you heard of blockchain or have you heard of the metaverse? No, 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 no. Maybe one or two, you know, raising their hands. And they're giving me this crazy look like I'm crazy. But I'm telling them, if you haven't, if you don't know about it, then you need to start learning about it. And it's as simple as that. Just start to occupy that space, learn about it and see how it can impact us. And so that's the strategic foresight sense. What is out there? What are the trends that are happening? And how, as a district leader, can I prepare my teachers to be ready for that space? And how can I prepare my school sites and my community for that space? So the three things, leading, learn how to lead with social influence, expand your network, both to those that have uh, have the experience, but also to those that may don't have the the number of years experience, but they they have the educational research experience. And then developing the ability to really develop the strategic foresight for you to be able to operate in the coming years. Earlier, Jerry shared, if you're not learning, you're becoming irrelevant. If you're interested in learning more about leadership and social influence, sign up at the link in bio for an upcoming webinar. You can use the link in the show notes to register. We'll share strategies for how you can enhance and develop your practice as a transformational leader and engage in leadership and social influence. We'll also be there to answer any questions on these episodes that you might have. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed this series of interviews as much as I enjoyed creating them. It's your turn to join the conversation by sharing what you enjoyed or what questions you have. In a world where time and attention are so valuable, thank you for choosing to listen and for being a part of our Designing Schools community. 